Hello everyone. Today I'm going to begin a session in Romans chapter 8, the first five verses. And uh, you know for many believers this is one of the most beloved books and chapters in the whole Bible. This will be a short series. Um, I don't know, maybe three, four, five sessions. We'll see how it goes. But as far as Romans goes, it's amazingly insightful and helpful for us as believers. It's something like everything you need to know about salvation book, right? It's very rich, it's deep, um, and it's for the lost and for believers who, who want to go deep into seeing the glory of God and understand uh, their own salvation and be able to relate to good news. Uh, with others in a more clearer fashion and we need that today and uh, people have taken years uh, pastors have uh, preaching through the book of Romans <laughs> Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, was apparently a, an amazing preacher I've listened to many of his sermons audio sermons online they recorded a lot of his messages in in-house he was a preacher born in 1899, the same year I believe my grandpa was born, um, in Wales, uh, that's a country in the United Kingdom. He preached many sermons over his 81 years, and uh, but he, he preached 366 sermons on the book of Romans over a 12-year period, so that's pretty amazing. Romans is, is deep. There's so much awesome stuff in it. He's one of John Piper's favorite uh, preachers. Um, well, John Piper himself preached um, 225 sermons on the Book of Romans. So today I'm going to be a lot briefer than they were. Um, and we're going to just look at, begin looking at Romans chapter 8. So many of you will be familiar with everything we talk about, but it's a wonderful review just to ponder these things. So let's begin. Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So let's just pause right there. <laughs> no condemnation. What does that mean, really? Um, you know, for the last few years, my, my mother and my sister have loved those uh, kind of real-life documentary detective shows where they, they saw these terrible crimes um, that were committed like decades before. They're unsolved mysteries. And they take this new technology and they analyze tire tracks and DNA and so many other things. And they're able to determine whether someone is guilty and who that might be or not. That, but as far as our judicial system goes, I mean, even if someone commits a horrible crime, they're not condemned by the, the state unless they get caught, right? <laughs> and they go for a jury, and, if it's, uh, and finally the judge pronounces them guilty, and then they're condemned. So we even see this in, in some of the, the crimes we commit, like speeding, for example. Uh, maybe uh, you or I drove too fast, and uh, we were guilty, but we didn't get caught, so we never had to go to court or never had to pay for our crime. Um, so we were never condemned in that context. 
But the truth is, you know, God knows all, right? He sees all. Nothing is hidden from him. Hebrews 4.13 says, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So, Jesus is the righteous judge. And we all have to give an account. To him and you know we would be in big trouble right except for this one thing and that is Jesus has given his righteousness to all who hope and delight and believe and look to him and so there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and that's what our text is talking about today and I think much of the world doesn't really feel the weight or the heaviness of their sin, their guilt. And I think some don't think they deserve condemnation. You know, a few thousand years ago, the first man and woman stood before God. They could not hide their guilt. They tried. They were naked in the Garden of Eden and they sinned and they put fig leaves together and covered their nakedness. But like the scripture we just read, all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. How bad was Adam and Eve's sin really? Uh, what were they guilty of? Um, well, eating the fruit God told them not to. And I think it's easy to rationalize this might not be that big of a deal, right? Eating fruit, sure it was wrong, but what's the big deal? <laughs> How does that uh, cause them and really ultimately mankind to be condemned before God? But you know, at the heart of the matter, this sin was very hideous. It was contemptible to God. It was something that God could not tolerate. Let's just think through this scenario for just a minute. Satan told Eve that God was a liar. He said they would not die if they ate of the fruit that God told them not to. And God had said that in the day that they ate of the fruit, they would die. That's what Eve said. And um, Satan promised them satisfaction. He promised they would be like God. Yeah, that was the same sin that had tripped him up. He was in heaven. He wanted to be like God. He wanted glory equal to God's. And now he was tempting Eve with the very same thing that caused him to be cast out of the fellowship of God. <clears throat> um, so, you know, up to that point, Adam and Eve had been, they had believed in God their whole life. And, uh, but now they repented. Right? They repented from believing in God. They turned away from believing in their Creator and they believed Satan. So that's a pretty big sin. Um, they turned away from the one who had loved them, created them, walked with them, talked with them, provided for them, gave them fellowship and joy and food, everything they needed. So this sin in repenting from or turning away from believing in their Creator and now believing Satan was horrible and deep and horrific and, and they could not hide their sin from a just God. So that's what it means to be condemned. Since God is honest and just, um, He never changes, uh, His character is the same, and 
he is righteous, he would keep his word and he would bring a just reward for Adam and Eve's sin. So after they sinned, God promised mercy, right? He, he said that one would come from the offspring of the woman who would defeat Satan and uh, his power over mankind because of their sin. And this one would take the judgment of sin upon himself so that all who like hoped in this Messiah would receive the righteousness of God. They would have fellowship with God again. So mankind had the opportunity to believe God again. That was the mercy of God. Um, they could now repent from believing Satan and turn towards God and believe him again. God spoke again and they had the opportunity to believe God. If they hoped in the Messiah, delighted in God's word, they would not stand condemned because Jesus would be condemned for them. So remember Jesus explained this to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. In verse 18, Jesus said, whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So we who are in Christ Jesus are not condemned. And that's what we're talking about today. You know, it's an amazing gift that God has given us in Jesus and his death on the cross to be condemned for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus took the wages of our sin on himself. And let's move to, to verse 2. I know we're, we're slow on this, but we need to, to lay a good foundation for what we're talking about and what Paul is talking about in this chapter. But verse 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Paul is talking about two laws here, uh, two laws that God actually decreed. And uh, we see one that came first for Adam and Eve was the law of sin and death. Okay, and uh, if they ate of the fruit, they would die, right? And actually, they did die. Um, in the day they ate of the fruit, as God had said, um, but not physically. They did die physically later, but the most important kind of death is the spiritual death, and that is um, to lose fellowship and relationship with God. That's, that's the worst thing that could happen uh, for any person, and that's what happened to Adam and Eve. You know, And then their descendants were, were born out of fellowship with God as well. And that's why Jesus told Nicodemus that he needed to be born again spiritually. So, so that is uh, where we see both of these laws uh, throughout the, the Bible being talked about. Um, the law of sin and death and the law of the spirit of life, as Romans uh, 8 verse 2 is talking about. These are the two laws. So we see the law of sin and death in uh, many places in the Old Testament and the New. Ezekiel 18 talks about how the soul that sins will die. And um, Romans 5.12, 12, 
We see this very clearly. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. And so sin brings death. That's law number one. And in Romans 6.23, Paul again connects law number one and law number two, just the way he is has done in Romans chapter 8, verse 2. Um, and he says the same thing, basically, as today's passage says. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. That's, that's law number one. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's the law of the spirit of life by which we are not condemned in Christ Jesus. So though we are, you know, sinners who have rebelled and turned away from God like Adam, we are not condemned because of the gift of Jesus in, in being condemned for us. So verse three through four, so I think maybe we just go through verse four today. I think I said five earlier, but um, uh, let's just read Paul. It continues and he goes deeper in this. So let's see what he says. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think it was Peter who says um, that even Paul, you know, he, he's wise. He, uh, the words he speaks are uh, inspired by God, but some of his words are hard to understand. And, and uh, but that's a good thing. God wants us to meditate and, and ponder his word because these things go down and into our heart and they we can understand our own salvation and what God has done for us. And what Paul says here is that uh, God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. So in other words, I, I believe he's saying that you know, the law cannot help us keep the law because we, uh, our, our flesh breaks the law. You know, down in, in, the, in our heart, we, we don't have a heart for keeping the law. We can try. Many of the, the Jewish Pharisees and Jewish people um, followed after legal, legalism, and we do today many times. And, um, but without the heart for God and this love relationship like God had with David. Remember he said David was a man after his own heart. He, he gave this love language toward David. And David spoke similarly to, to God. Um, so we need this, this heart for keeping God's word and his commandments. So the flesh cannot do it. But Paul says, by sending his only son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So Jesus came and he 
kept the law perfectly, right? <laughs> what we could not do because our ability to do that was weakened by our flesh. But Jesus was perfect and he did that. So he kept the righteous requirement of the law for us. And not only did he do that, but he went further because after he died and rose from the grave, he gives us the same resurrection power to be at work in our hearts. Um, that's the spirit of life that we talked about in law number two, by which we, we stand not condemned before God uh, because of the righteousness of Jesus. But that is still, it goes further, like I say, and now it's working in us and out of us so that we have a heart to keep God's word. And the, the word of God, which is spirit, quickens uh, our own bodies and the flesh so that we can, uh, you know, fulfill God's law as we walk in the Holy Spirit with the Lord. So Jesus did it for us, and now he's working work in us uh, as we grow in him so that we can be more like him and we can take on his attributes and his characteristics. Uh, like 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, as we see more and more of the glory of God, we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the the Lord who is the Spirit. That was partially paraphrased there. <laughs> so it's, this is a great passage we've looked at today. We stand not condemned before God through the Spirit of life. So we get all these things, all these blessings, um, and we're no longer condemned because Jesus was condemned for us. This is the, the promise of the one from from Genesis, even before the foundation of the world, but we see it, uh, begin to see God's word spoken about um, the offspring of the woman in Genesis after Adam and Eve sins. And of course, that was uh, Jesus. All things that we know about Jesus today was veiled in the Old Testament in many ways, but I think he becomes more and more clear. The Messiah becomes more and more clear throughout the Old Testament. I mean, Adam and Eve, I believe, could have hoped, and I think they did, hope in, in the uh, the promise of God that would come through the offspring of the woman. Um, and, and if they did, then they, they were made righteous by this Messiah, Jesus, who was coming. But the promise was made to so many more, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, um, King Hezekiah, even evil King Ahaz, who God uh, spoke, and he was in the lineage of Judah, uh, which Jesus would come through, and he said how a virgin would give birth, and uh, he talked about that in the promise, and, and the promise was made to uh, King David and Solomon and, and, and so many more, and, and then Jesus came, and, and he did these things. He, he lived the perfect life. He died the sinner's death that we deserve, and he rose from the grave, and he and all those who delight in him and look to him in great joy as, a, as our, the greatest treasure in the universe, greater than anything the world might offer us. Uh, we let go of those things. We unclench our fists from the world and, and we wrap our arms around Jesus. 
who's wrapping his arms and they're outstretched to us. And so we stand not condemned as we rejoice in him. Father God, thank you for your word today and guide us as we continue and go through Romans chapter 8. Lord, help us today to rejoice in you and rejoice that in Christ Jesus, in the spirit of life, um, this law of the spirit of life has made us right with you, Lord, and has removed us from the law of sin and death because of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.